Let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to take a, a one-week pause from Genesis. So Romans chapter 12, the first verse. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Let me read that again. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present or yield your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. On October the 5th of the year 1918, Captain Eddie Grant woke up in the morning. He and his company had slept the previous night, if you could call it sleep, on the ground in the Argonne Forest of France. All night long it had sleeted and a cold rain had fallen. Now if that weren't disorienting enough, it was October. And just five years previous to this October the 5th of 1918, Eddie Grant, not the captain but the baseball player, had scored the winning run in the World Series for the New York Giants. The New York Times had a very colorful description of his speedy run around the bases to score that winning run. Not only, though, was he a professional baseball player in a time when baseball was the American pastime. So the baseball players were the heroes of of the country, the known figures of the country. But also, Captain Grant was a Harvard-educated lawyer in New York City. So you might ask... What is a man like this, a baseball player, professional baseball player, and a very well-to-do and accomplished lawyer doing in the Argonne Forest? Well, he had chosen to go. He believed in the cause that that, that, that was brought, and so he chose to go, made the rank of captain, and now on this day, at the direct orders of General Pershing himself, the call, the objective was... To move forward, no exceptions. Move forward at all costs. Moving forward meant that they would be moving forward. They, by the way, could not see this morning beyond what they said was a grenade throw. So the distance of a grenade throw. Moving forward into what they knew were trenches of German soldiers that had been trenched out four years. They had been entrenched there for four years. So very heavily fortified trenches. The reason they were moving forward at all costs was because a few days prior to that, what is known as the Lost Battalion, around 500 men, American forces, got separated from the rest of the group. And they had advanced farther than they should have advanced and had been trapped. And their only means of communication back back to the lines of the Americans was carrier pigeons. And every day the message grew more and more desperate. They had no food. They tried to drop food to them, but didn't hit the right places. And the Germans got their food. 
Eventually, they, they began to scrawl their messages in their own blood. They were starving. Many were injured. They were dying. And the call was, go forward at all costs. So, they moved forward. Within just a very few minutes, their leader fell down dead. And so, Captain Grant was now the new leader. As they moved forward, they hit heavy, heavy fire. And the men, as any man probably would be tempted to do, the men flopped to the ground. They were scared. There was really no hope of getting to their objective without mass casualties. By the way, one of the men in the lost battalion was one of the very best friends of Eddie Grant. And so, seeing his men flop on the ground, he stood up. He stood up in the midst of heavy fire and called to rally the men to move forward. They began to move forward, and in a very few minutes, he was shot dead. Sacrifice. The Memorial Day holiday is one of many holidays that we acknowledge in this country to honor those who have fought and secured freedoms, fought in the wars that this country has faced. What's unique about this holiday is that it honors the ultimate sacrifice. We have Veterans Day, we have the 4th of July, 9-11 has become almost a holiday where we acknowledge there's something in us that says we should acknowledge, it's right to acknowledge and honor sacrifice, uh, particularly ultimate sacrifices. Monuments are constructed and even walls with names inscribed to those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice, given their life, sacrificed all for the cause with, for which they were fighting. But we would probably be honest to admit that sacrifice, these kind of sacrifices, has lost their power in our conscience and our thinking. So this morning, I get my phone out to check my email. Oh, my email. I wish email only sent me emails that I had requested, but that's not how it works. You have all these advertisements where you got probably got one penny off of the shoes that if you sign up for this advertisement, this email list. And so I had three emails, I think, for Memorial Day sales. And I thought, Memorial Day sale? That seems off kilter. It seems like Memorial Day has been sacrificed for the consumeristic mindset. Memorial Day is an excuse or a good reason for a day off of work that we can consume this day for our own pleasure, for our own desires, a cell that can uh, make my life better. So it seems like it's almost to have the opposite effect of what it's intended to do. And this is not a, 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 a modern Western problem, I don't think. I think it's uh, ingrained into the nature of every man and woman. Where that by nature we are about self. We are about our own desires, our own pleasure. We are, we do believe that everyone exists for my own service. In fact, we might be wondering, was Captain Grant smart? Was he wise? Was there some better use he could have had for his life? 
After all, he had a, a name, he had a recognition, he had a, a great education. He was not like the other boys there, just 19-year-old boys fresh out of, out of high school uh, with you know, just a future as just, as just a farmer or just a truck driver or just a this. This man has education. He has, he has worth. He has value. He, he can do great good if he lives. Maybe it was a foolish sacrifice. I want to talk to you today about sacrifice. In fact, the only thing that can make sacrifice not just palatable, but defining what we do, who we are, the only thing that can make us living sacrifices is in seeing the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is not just a religion, but Christianity at its very core and at the very beginnings of its revelation to us is or has sacrifice in the very core of its fabric. From the very first dealings of God with man after the fall of man into sin, we immediately see the concept and the necessity of sacrifice. Adam and Eve are cursed by God. They are ashamed of their exposure before the gaze of God. And so God in His mercy and in His grace and His goodness and His kindness, God in the very first, uh, right after the curse, God makes coats of skins to cover them. And as your children know from my catechism, how do you get coats of skins? You get coats of skins by killing an animal. Something had to go. Someone had to die. Someone or something had to give the ultimate sacrifice, their life, in order for Adam and Eve to be clothed. And then we see sacrifice not just um, as a sort of a pictorial thing, but sacrifice was written right into the code of daily living and annual observances and observances throughout the year as God would give this code, give this law to the nation that He had placed His love upon Israel. So God had placed His love upon them. He had given Himself to them. And yet He also says, this doesn't come free. this, This relationship, my blessing doesn't come free. It comes through sacrifice. And so there was the ritual sacrifices that were uh, that, that, that were that were a part of the daily fabric of the life of the people of Israel, if nothing else, to remind them of the great gap between them and God and of the need. And this is where we get where we really understand the meaning of sacrifice um, in the Old Testament and then with Christ. It is not just homage that is paid, not just honor that is paid, but it is the recognition that there is atonement that needs to be made, appeasement of wrath that needs to be made between sinful man and a holy God. That there's a great conflict that God has with sinful man, and the only way to bridge this conflict is through sacrifice. Well, praise the Lord, that picture or that reality that was an ever-present reality, but never that the tension was never uh, ended, praise the Lord, that that picture gave, gave birth to 
the reality of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on behalf of His people to once and for all appease the wrath of God and to end the conflict between God and man. And that is the full... And and then He was raised from the dead as the uh, declaration that God had received His sacrifice, was satisfied with His offering, and that all had been made well by Christ between God and His people. That's what we place our whole hopes on. So we sing, The bride eyes not her garment, but her dear bridegroom's face. When we say that we're going to walk through this life that's going to be filled with tinges of sorrow and yet lusters of love, and at the very end we're going to look back and say, His hand has been faithfully guiding us. It's because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just a word, not just a deed, but the ultimate sacrifice, Christ giving His own life. And so let's turn in our Bibles for a moment to Hebrews 10 and just know where we're moving. We're moving from... Christ sacrificed to Eddie Grant, okay? And not him in particular, but to you to live the calling that God has called you to live your life as a living sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10. As we think about Jesus, the great sacrifice. I'm going to read the first few verses of this chapter. For the law, Hebrews 10 verse 1, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices, those are the pictures that we talked about a minute ago, which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So the people who bring these sacrifices must bring them out of obedience. They must be reminded that they are still filled with sin and guilty before God, but they cannot make them perfect. They cannot satisfy this great conflict. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? If they had had resolved the tension, they would have no no more need to offer. Because that the worshippers, once purged, should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance. Again, made of sins every year. Remembrance, memorial. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, listen to this, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, this is Jesus speaking, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written, I come to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Jesus again, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified. Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Listen to these words. Once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices. Which can never take away sins. But this man. Look at this man Jesus. 
after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. He's king. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now notice the benefit of this sacrifice. Wherefore, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. The Holy Ghost is witnessing to us of the sacrifice of Jesus that is full and complete and is once and is for all and has made us sanctified before the Father, not not, not, not polluted before the Father, but sanctified before the Father. This is the covenant. This is the Holy Spirit witnessing to us that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and their minds will I write them. Listen to verse 17. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more as you're considering the person, the body of Jesus Christ and His offering, His sacrifice. No, this is what the Holy Spirit is witnessing to you. He's saying to you, you will be justified. I'm going to write my law into your heart. It's not going to be on the table of stone any longer, but it's in your heart. It's a part of you. You're a new creation in Jesus Christ. And here's the great thing. And your sins and your iniquities, I will remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, if they're, if they're remitted, if they're done, if they're paid for, there is no more offering for sin. Now, here's the effect to us. Having therefore, brethren, boldness, Why? Because of Jesus. To enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He had consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say, His flesh. By the way, the lost battalion, including His friend, I can't remember his name right now, was eventually rescued. I think only 193 out of 500 lived. But they finally made it there. Not comparing their sacrifice to Jesus by any way, but just notice this. We now are living. We have been rescued through His blood. We have boldness to enter the holiest by His blood by a new and living way. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. Oh, what a sacrifice Jesus Christ has made. Let's just notice five things about His sacrifice very quickly. Number one, the motivation. The motivation. What would cause a man to give the ultimate sacrifice? What would cause Jesus to say, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God? And there's only one answer to this. Ephesians 2 describes it to us, even when we were dead in sins, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Friends, that's the only explanation. In the story I told earlier, you know, there is a. There's all kinds of things that can motivate. Maybe the, the idea for, of honor and being honored. Maybe, that, maybe imagining that in 2022, some preacher in Memphis would get up and talk, call, tell the name of Eddie Grant. He would be lost forever. Or maybe just the friendship. I love my friend. I want to rescue him. It could be a thousand reasons. Friends, there's only one reason, only one motivation for Christ giving up of his precious life. And that is for the great love, the great love wherewith he loved us. 
Consider this verse, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, in John 13, verse 1. This is when Jesus washes his disciples' feet before he, he goes to the cross. And here's what it says. And having, now, now Jesus, now Jesus knowing that his hour was come, that he should depart the world and go into his Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. We could spend the next hour on that verse, but just think about this. Knowing that his hour was come. Knowing that his hour was come. Friends, none of us, we can make an imagine, but none of us know the hour in front of us. Jesus made many beautiful promises and words. Declarations about himself. I am the, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. He that eats of me shall never hunger again. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the light. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have a light of life. John 10, I am the good shepherd. I lay, I'm not like a hireling. I don't run. When trouble comes, when the wolf comes, I will lay down my life for the sheep. Well, how many wonderful platitudes have you said? Maybe when you got married, I will love you in sickness and in health. I will love you in good times and in bad. I will be faithful. A thousand other times when we have made wonderful promises, but friends, when the hour comes, that's the moment of truth. When the hour comes, when the hour of testing comes, when the hour of trial comes, when the hour, here's the word, of sacrifice comes. When the, the ask is the ultimate sacrifice, and by the way, most of the times for us, the ultimate sacrifice is not our life, as in blood, but it's just simple obedience to God. I will forgive. I will not get the last word. I will not let my eyes look upon this. In the hour of truth, having loved his own, which tried him constantly in his ministry upon earth, having loved, here's the wonderful words, he loved them unto the end. The end. The motivation for sacrifice is love in Jesus. Secondly, the nature of the sacrifice, how important it is we understand the scripture makes a huge point of this, the nature of the sacrifice, or the value of the sacrifice. The nature of the sacrifice is the is 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 well, here's what scripture says. It says, you need to know this. This call to holiness. You need to know, you need to have this, this seared into your mind that you were not redeemed with corruptible things. Like silver and gold. You go, wait, wait a minute. That, that's, that's, that's value. Silver and gold means we eat tomorrow. Silver and gold means that we can retire at 65. Silver and gold means everything. He says, that's corruptible. It's going to die. It's going to perish. There's something more valuable than that. Far more valuable. Because silver and gold cannot satisfy the wrath of God. You were not redeemed with corrupt things like silver and gold. But 
you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So he's calling them, calling their minds back to the Old Testament sacrifices in which the demand was, do not bring an offering to God, which by the way, can't actually take away your guilt. We can only picture it, but don't bring an offering to God of a three-footed lamb. Or even one that has a speckle or a spot in it. So one little spot of, of fur that, that is gone because it rubbed against the fence, don't bring that one. Or wool, I guess I have fur, I guess. Don't bring that one. Don't bring one with one, with one sore, one mosquito bite. You only bring me the perfect lamb, the best you have. So when we're thinking about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, God wants you to know it is not just some random guy in the Argonne Forest who died. It is the Son of God. It is the one who, who spoke and it was done, who commanded and it stood fast. It's the one that the sons of God shouted for joy as they saw His work in creation. It is the one of whom and to whom and through whom are all things to Him be honor and glory forever. It's the one that the heavens today say, Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and power, for by thy pleasure they are, they are and were created. And you go on. This is the one who dwells in a light that no man can approach to, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and glory forever. And go on throughout all the scriptures and see all the descriptions of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1. He is the brightness of the glory of God. He upholds all things by his power. This is the one. Hebrews, I think it's 5 or 7 says, he was holy. He was harmless. Ponder that for a moment. He was undefiled. He was separate from sinners. And he says, lo, I come. You have prepared for me a body. I come to do thy will, O God, and the will of God was to be a once and for all sacrifice for sinners. Friends, we must see the value of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The next thing that we note in Scripture about this idea of sacrifice in Christ is the word that we use several times already today is the ultimate sacrifice. It's a full. Now don't just run past that. We're going to get to us in just a minute. It's a full. It's complete. Listen to some of the words of Scripture they seem to emphasize this. Isaiah 53. Who, who, um, let me just read it because I can't quote it right now. Isaiah 53. Verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. <laughs> Is that amazing? Put Christ to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. So you mean Jesus couldn't just, just come to the temple and, and, and say, I've got the cattle of a thousand hills. I've got, I got, all, I've got Bill Gates' money. I'm going to give all this money. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay God off. That's not how it works. It's got to be full. God requires more. 
What do you want, God? I want your soul. Who made his soul an offering for sin. 1 Peter 2. Who his own self. I love how the language. Read scripture slowly sometimes. Who his own self. We run right to the next part. Bear our sins on his body, on the tree. That's wonderful. Let's read it again. Who his own self. Bear our sins on his own body. On the tree. That we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. Philippians 2. Who being in the form of God. This, we, we know this passage so well, but let's, let's think through it slowly again. Who being in the form of God. What man can say that? No one can. We, we can't even hint of that. But Christ, Jesus, in the form of God, thought it not robbery or thought it not a thing to be grasped at. So this is not outside his grasp. It's not. It's not like you get back in your lane. It's not out of his lane. It's not a thing to be, it's not robbery. He's not walking in and stealing from God something. Oh, friends, did you know that God is jealous for his glory? He will not share his glory with any. Because God, to God alone belongs honor, belongs majesty, belongs dominion and power and acknowledgement. But it's not dishonorable. It's not thievery. It's not robbery for Christ to claim the glory of God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Oh my word. Can you believe that kind of language? But made himself nothing. And took upon him the form of a servant slave. And was was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man... He humbled himself and became obedient to death. And then it goes one step further. Even the death of the cross. Even the ignominious, shameful, despicable death between two thieves, between two usurpers of his glory, Christ as the thief as the one who is claimed to be usurping the glory of God, Christ is condemned as a criminal, as a false prophet, even as a blasphemer. And Christ was not ashamed to take the, to, to take this spot on Calvary's tree as a blasphemer in the eyes of the people. He was not ashamed to do this because Christ was giving His self as a sacrifice to the holiness of God on your behalf. Friends, he did not hold anything back. That's the point. He gave it all. I come to do thy will, O God. And you prepare for me a body. It's ultimate. Well, as we've already read in Hebrews 10, the fourth thing I'll note is this. It's just satisfaction. With this satisfaction, with, with this sacrifice, God is pleased. Did nobody hear that? With this sacrifice, God is pleased. He's pleased once. He's pleased finally. He's pleased fully. He's pleased forever. Therefore, we come with boldness into the holiest. Hebrews 10. The holiest. Not just the 
not just the anteroom, not just the, the not just the porch. We come with boldness into the holiness by the blood of Jesus. Why? Because God was pleased with the Son's sacrifice on our behalf. And then the last thing I'll note is this: this is, is the reward of the sacrifice. It's all through Scripture. The reward of the sacrifice. The reward of the sacrifice. Hebrews twelve. Consider Jesus, it says, as you're battling yourself. Let me just ask today, are you battling yourself? Does that even occur? Are you really really fighting? We sang the song this morning, I gave my life for you. I gave my life for you. What hast thou done for me? He's not saying that complaining. Just saying, isn't this reasonable? So in the midst of this battle, he says, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Who's enduring such contradiction of sinners against himself. It's a really sanitized way of saying he was beaten and and he was beaten. He was discredited. He was accused. He was abused. He was killed. That's the enduring of the contradiction of sinners against himself. Looking into Jesus, who for the joy, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. He said, bring on the shame. And he wasn't saying that in a light way. Not at all. He said, Father, if you can take this away from me, take it away from me. But Father, if this is your will, I'm going to bear the shame all the way. Why? How? How can you do that? For the joy that was set before him. Friends, there is a reward, a great reward. Philippians 2 also describes this reward when it says, after Jesus, who is not who is not thought it robbery, but he humbles himself, dies at the cross, and it says, as you know well, wherefore, what an important wherefore that is, isn't it? Listen to this, wherefore, know this about Jesus, wherefore God hath highly exalted him. There's no bigger fan of Jesus than the Father. There's no one who wants to trumpet the glory of Jesus more than the the, the creator of this universe. Oh, friends, the Father has set him at his right hand. The Father has set him up as a sovereign over all, as a king over all creation. And he is the one whom the Father loves to shine the spotlight on. He's highly exalted. Highly exalted. And he's been given a name. That no other name can, can that no other man can, can claim. The name of Jesus is the one who's king. The name of Jesus is the name is the one who is truly Lord over all. And so Romans twelve says, "I beseech you, brethren. Therefore, I beseech you by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies." A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Captain Eddie Grant gave the ultimate sacrifice of his life on behalf of his friend. And what I'm telling you is that Paul is telling us here, I want you to give 
the ultimate sacrifice in praise and honor to your great God. But the amazing news is this. This is a living sacrifice. I want you to live out your days, your life, not just your natural life, but I want you who have been raised in Christ as spiritual creations with a new life in Christ. You see, here's the good news about Jesus Christ. Said it a thousand, said it several times already today. It was full. It was final. It was satisfying. God's wrath is fully and finally appeased. Totally by Jesus. And so there is no need. In fact, it would be blasphemy for you to seek to give your life or to give something less than that penance, confession, whatever else you can conjure up to God to appease His wrath. He's not interested in that. Psalm 50 says, well, you know, can we give him barrels of oil, rivers of oil? No. He says, I want you to be thankful. And I want you to call upon me in the day of trouble. And that, that's a pretty good bargain, isn't it? What, what do I require of you? Be thankful. You mean I don't have to bring anything? No, just be thankful. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to nourish you. I'm going to provide for you. Just be thankful. And ask him when you need help. I mean, is there anything better than that? Seriously. Just call on me for help. My refrigerator's open. I'll pick you up in the middle of the night. I'll do whatever. It's a living sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of praise. It's not a sacrifice of earning God's favor. Praise the Lord for that. It doesn't atone for sin. Christ has already atoned for sin. And yet, and yet, so we're here this morning, much of the time, this seems like too much to ask. Isn't that amazing? It's not always reasonable in our thinking. So brothers and sisters, let me call us this morning to sacrifice in praise and honor of God. Let's just run through those five things again because they're going to mirror what we said about Christ. If you will live a life of sacrifice, it will be motivated by love and by love alone. Anything less is going to dry up. Friends, all the difference in the world is made between begrudging service and willful, on purpose, joyful sacrifice. It's, there's a huge gap between those two, is there not? And the gap is bridged, or the path is, 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 is forged to joyful, willful sacrifice only by love. What Jesus said, Jesus said in Luke 7, 47, He said, He that is forgiven much, loves much. He that is forgiven little, loves little. And he says this in the context of someone who just brought this huge sacrifice 
of love to him under the withering criticism of those who said, this is too much. Jesus stops him in the tracks with this thought. He that is forgiven much loves much. He that is forgiven little loves little. Friend, how much have you been forgiven? How much? How great is your sin? How great is Christ's offering? How much have you been forgiven? How long has it been since you even thought about that? The very picture of love in Scripture, of Christian love, of godly love, of God's love that is, that is, that is uh, uh, shed abroad into our hearts so that we're able to love this way is the picture of, as you know, agape, which is sacrificial love. It's not just the love that brings me pleasure. It's not just the love that is comfortable among friends, but it's something more. It's a love that costs, it costs, and it costs, and it costs, and yet it is given because it, there truly is a heart of love and, 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 uh, and, and uh, desire that, is, that moves through it. And that, and that desire is spurred on, it's, it's, it's enlivened, it's infused, it's informed by God's great love for us in Christ. Okay? God is calling you to sacrifice. I want you to know you will not sacrifice at all outside of love. Secondly, the value. One reason we don't sacrifice is because we consider ourselves too valuable. Right? My time, my desires, my preferences, I'm too valuable. I can't give of myself in this situation. It, you know, I'm, not, I'm not talking about money right now. I'm talking about relationships. I can't give in right now. Now, this is the last time I'm going to be the bad guy in this, in this conversation. It's the last time I'm going to uh, say I'm sorry. It's the last time I'm not doing it. I'm too valuable. Friends, you don't understand value. Here's value. You were redeemed by Christ. And then 1 Peter 2 says, you now are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are the particular possession of God. You're something. You used to be nobody, 1 Peter says. That's not my crude language. That's their language, which were nobody. But now you're somebody in Christ. Your value is in Christ. And so God has raised you up to be able to sacrifice for the glory of God. You're far more valuable in Christ than you are standing for yourself and standing for your rights and, and, and being a consumer that just, that, that is just the, as daddy always says, but the, the dead sea that everything flows into it. There's no value there. You're going to die one day. And then who's going to remember you? What are you going to be worth then? But oh, friends, the life that lives and that lives and that lives and, 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 and continues to have generational effects is the lives of those who give and give and give because they know they have been raised to this incredibly elevated position to be able to live out a life of praise to the one who called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, here's the next thing it's ultimate. I don't mean death, necessarily, by any means. I mean full. Jesus makes a huge point about this. This is where we get caught most of the time. You know that Jesus condemned the Pharisees. He says you have these 
these, these cups that you so carefully polish the outside to look good. You do something. You want to look good on the outside. But inside your cup that you're going to put your coffee into is filled with dirt, mold, worms. What are you doing? What's happening there? Well, we look at the life of the Pharisees, for example, from Matthew 15. And there, the Pharisees are not sacrificial, but they're consumers. And they know this thing about God saying, and they're very careful about the law, right? And they know that the law says, you know, first Ten Commandments, honor your father and your mother. Well, father and mother are getting old now. They're up in the years. They can't, they, they, they can't work any longer, and so they, they need some help financially. And, and, um, and the first thing is, ah, but that's my money. That's my money. They should have saved more. They should have lived more frugally. They should have invested better. How can I be expected to give my money to them and help them out? Sacrifice. And so they found this, this, this sort of end run around it to where they could both keep their money, they cared about, and obey the law, which is very important to them. They said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to say, this money is devoted to God. This is for the worship of God. This is for God's service. And God says, your cups are full. Full. At the point he says, you're, 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 they're just sepulchers of dead men's bones. What's happening there? They're, they're wanting to do a partial Sacrifice a part of it. They don't want to give up the whole. Listen to what Albert Barnes says. He's a good commentator. Listen to this. A sacrifice is an offering. I'm sorry. Let me move forward a little bit. Here, here it is. A sacrifice that implies that he who offers it presents it entirely. Listen releases all claim or right to it and leaves it to be disposed of for the honor of God. In the case of an animal, it was slain, the blood offered. In the case of any other offering, as a first fruit, it was set apart to the service of God. And he who offered it released all claim on it and submitted it to God to be disposed of at his will. This is the offering which the apostle entreats the Romans to make, to devote themselves to God as if they had no longer any claim on themselves. Do you hear that? To be disposed of by Him, to suffer and bear all that He might appoint, and to to promote His honor in any way which He might command. This is Romans 12, verse 1, sacrifice. Let me just point to a couple of words again. It entirely, it presents presents it entirely. It releases all claim or right to it and leaves it to be disposed of for the honor of God. I give you all, Lord. Listen to a podcast this week that Scarlett's been doing some people's testimonies. And I was, I had to rewind it and just stop and not even listen to it for a little while. This wife was talking about her experience years before of living with her husband. The Lord had converted her, and he was not converted. And he was going out every night, getting drunk, coming home all hours of the night or the morning. She was trying to raise their children. 
And she was at her wit's end. She said, I'm done. I'm done. So she's praying one day. <laughs> and she said that if, if she felt like the Lord was speaking to her and says, no, before, before you're done, I'm going to work on you. And she's like, what do you mean, work on me? I don't need any work. It's him. <laughs> He's the problem. And she said, as she continued to pray, first the Lord prompted her to the whole time her husband was gone in the night. To pray the whole night while he was gone. She did that for a while. No change. And then, this is a little extra step that seems awfully cruel. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. What? Your whole body, your whole person. So the next thing she said, she said, you know what? I'm going to start getting up and cooking hot food that when he returns drunk and crazy, I'm going to have a hot plate of food ready to serve to him. Now, the Lord didn't change him then either. He eventually did. Does that sound ridiculous to you? Why is Captain Eddie Grant in the Argons when he's a great lawyer and a famous player? I was talking to a man this morning who had been living a double life. And sacrificing it all to the Lord and the Lord got his attention meant that he had to confess it all. All of it. And in confessing all of it, he lost everything. Everything. And yet he told me the story without regret. He told me the story talking about how that released a burden and has led to a walk with the Lord even in his emptiness of things that he had. He lost it all. We sing this song too fast, I think, sometimes. Sometimes I'll be sung really slow. Take my life and let it be holy, fully, Consecrated to thee. Listen to this. With these kind of sacrifices and these alone, God is well pleased. God is satisfied in Christ with his people. But Hebrews chapter 13 says, But to do good and to communicate, forget it not, for with such Sacrifices. God is well pleased. He's well pleased. Friends, that's the highest aim. He's well pleased. And then Jesus himself says there's a reward. He says there in Mark 10, he says, There is no man, woman, who has not left all. Father, brother, mother, sister, lands. 
to follow me who has not... Let me just read it. Mark 10. Mark 10. Verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all to follow thee. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or land. That's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. For my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive in a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. (laughs) And in the world to come, eternal life. Sometimes it's sort of difficult to hear a sermon like this and then know what does it mean practically. If we had more time, I was going to turn to Colossians 3. We're going to walk through practically what it means to sacrifice everything. It means, though, nothing as dramatic as what we might like to think. It means what you're doing today. It means, children, obey your parents as in the Lord. You've got to give up to do that. It means, worker, go to work every day. On time and work hard. Period. It means, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. It means, wives, submit yourself to your husband as unto the Lord. It means, everyone, mortify the members which are in your body, fornication, uncleanness, etc., And then it also means this, as it moves on down, also put away from you wrath and anger and malice. It means put on as the elect of God, bowels of mercies, kindness, compassion, forbearance, forgiveness if any man has sinned against you. That's all of it. It means... Let the peace of God rule your hearts. Because you've been called into one body and be thankful. That's what sacrifice means, friends. All of you. All of you. I don't mean all of you people. I mean all of us. Everything about me. Give it all. To God. And God bless you is my prayer. David said, I will not. I will not. I will not take. To give to the Lord that which will cost me nothing. May that be our prayer. Let's pray. Father, (laughs) what you are asking us to do is filled with reward. It's filled with joy. And it's all because of Jesus. And so we rejoice in the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. And we thank you, Lord, as Americans, we thank you for men like Eddie Grant. And many, 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 many others. So even on this day, may we give a sacrifice of thanksgiving to you for your blessings that we enjoy materially and as a nation because of your kindness to us has been built on the sacrifices of men and women for many years. Father, may we be found faithful in our lifetime as well to be living sacrifices to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.